You are Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast, your daily podcast covering the Pittsburgh Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day, I am Nick Fairby, right for Pittsburgh Sports Now, work at ACC Network, and I call games for WPTS Radio. Folks, this is going to be a big episode. Obviously, we will talk about Pitt men's basketball and the kerfluffle that is going on there. What happened in the backyard brawl on Friday? Is there any hope for this team? We will certainly talk about that, but we will also make sure to talk about the Pitt football team. Of course, of course, of course. And the thing I want to discuss even in more depth, what was the reason the offense sputtered? Could it happen again? And against Virginia, how much of a concern is that moving forward? All that coming up on Locked On Pit. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast. As always, thank you for making the Locked On Pit Podcast your first listen every day, folks. All right, let's start off today talking a little bit about pit basketball because, trust me, we'll get into pit football, and we kind of talked a lot about that on Friday, but I do want to start by highlighting the pit basketball team and kind of where we're at here. So maybe you were down in Morgantown. Maybe you weren't. I was down there, got to see it live, called the game on WPTS radio. That game was not as bad as you thought it was going to go, but it was still pretty bad. And here's the thing about Pitt going into West Virginia. That team, while I don't think this is necessarily the greatest West Virginia team that we have ever seen. I definitely think that they are a step down from last year. You know, they don't have Culver. They don't have Shebue. They don't have guys like that. Now, they have Sean McNeil and Todd Sherman still. But that's a team that is still very good defensively. They can stretch you for the three ball. They're a very good 3 and D team, right? Now, I don't think they're a strong rebounding team. We saw Pitt really get on the boards in this game. Uh, I mean, Pitt out-rebounded West Virginia pretty easily and honestly I didn't I think there were some encouraging signs in this game like this was not a entirely awful downtrodden event that said oh my gosh Pitt man that the sky is falling obviously to a degree the sky is falling losing the commitment of Judah Mintz is such a gut punch and that's the biggest thing right Where's the hope for the future for Capel anymore? I mean, do you have hope for the future without Judah Mintz? No. Everyone's bailed on that guy, right? Johnson, McGowans, Champagny, you know, all these guys have bailed on Tony. I mean, Kulabali, like, all of them are bailing on him, right? He's had some very bad luck, and the guy has to be hexed. I mean, with some type of spell, I feel bad for Jeff Capel. Because a lot of it's just bad luck. The Nike Sabande injury. The legal troubles that he can't even help with. You know. All of this stuff. Is not his fault completely. But. Man. It's not looking good for Capel. But. When I come back to this game. 
it just showcases the lack of talent this team has. They fought hard. They gave a lot of heart. They played well in the half-court defense and, quite honestly, the half-court offense. They were a really good half-court team, and that wasn't the issue of this game. Now, they shot 10 of 17 from the foul line. Still an issue, but I think the biggest issue was just the overall lack of talent on the team. I think it's just become so relevant, uh, so relevant to just talk about, you know, the team doesn't really have that talent. You know, in years past, when they lost to St. Francis or they dropped really bad games to Wake Forest, it wasn't because they lacked talent. It was because they lacked focus or they didn't do the fundamentals right. This team just doesn't have the talent to overcome anything. I think they're a group that's starting to communicate better, starting to get some chemistry with each other. I think Mo Gee and John Hughley are starting to kind of feel each other out and, and use their abilities together. I think that these guys are, are starting to gel. I think they're a team-oriented team. Um, I think that they are a hard-working group of guys. I think they're a high-character group of guys. But here's the thing. I look at the roster. Without Sabande, without Burton, without Horton, the team is one ACC-level guard. And I love Onyeze Kuda. But Isaiah Kudo is a guy that is solid and not ACC level. He's a decent player. You know, I would like to see him work with Femi, but man, he's not at that level. And Odu Kali really, really got the West Virginia fans in his head. That's the thing. This team really only has four ACC level players, or right now, really, it's Odu Kali and Hughley. And maybe, maybe Gee. You know, Jeffress and Santos, I think, are going to grow into that. I think you could see this was the best game of Will Jefferson's career. He was really, really, really good defensively. Uh, they could not shake Will Jeffress at all in this game. He had a really solid game. Seven rebounds, eight points for, for Will Jeffress in this one. I think Gee showcased some things that people... Really wanted to see the off-dribble stuff, the the handles, the big man passing ability. Hughley looks like a force. 17 points in the second half. Odukali had a really bad game, and that's the thing with this team. If Hughley or Odukali doesn't have a good game, this team's done. It's just, it's just done. The fact that they only lost by 15, giving up 32 turnovers. 32 turnovers to a team that admittedly just put, just absolutely, absolutely was great against them. I mean... They matched up perfectly. This is the exact type of team that Pitt didn't want to see because they can't break the press. They have no reason and rhyme to to do it. They're just kind of floating out there doing nothing. And that's the thing. There's no cohesiveness. There's no coaching that's showcasing, wow, they're doing this strategy and this strategy. You know, Capel and, and company really aren't giving these guys strategy to work with. And Odu Cali is the only ACC-level guard on the roster. And when he's off, everybody's off. It just... It was a really bad game. I think Daniel Adapo had a decent game as well. You know, I think there were there were things that were positive in this game, but I just think it's clear the talent level just it, they're so outmatched versus the Citadel and versus West Virginia. They they were outmatched, and you hope they beat UNC Wilmington. I think they can do that. I but I don't know. This is going to be a very long season for Jeff Capel and company. You hope that he can somehow sell some recruits and get something going for the future after losing Judamens and losing his commitment because that's a huge loss for Pitt in the commit department. But listen, 
it's just an ugly year for Pitt basketball. It's not going to change. I don't think the team has the talent. You're going to have to hope for development and hope they get better over as the season goes along. That's the biggest thing to hope for right now. The talent isn't there to overcome games like this. And and that's the truth, the hard, hard truth to listen to. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Jeff Capel as time goes along. But he's got to have a strong end of the season this year and growth over the season in order to keep his job. Because even with a big buyout, I really do think he's hanging on right now by a threat. All right, folks, let's go over, talk a little bit about this pit offense. Kind of what was it that slowed him down? What were the good things? What were the bad things? We'll talk a little bit about that coming up. But first, I want to let you know about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know you will too. Prize Picks offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all the star players of the Power 5, as well as the mid-major players you may have never even heard of. So you can bet on Kenny Pickett's yardage. You can bet on him throwing an interception. You can throw it on touchdowns. Whatever you want, PrizePix offers that prop. All of, your user, all of our users that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use our promo code locked on, and you will receive that 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to ten times on any entry. And it's just you versus those projected numbers, and you are allowed mixed sport entries as well as you see fit. Don't hesitate to check out prizepicks.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. PrizePicks is daily fantasy made easy. What is going on, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pit Podcast. Welcome back, folks. Listen, let's talk about pit football in the offense. You know, I talked a little bit about how I didn't love Mark Whipple's reliance on the passing game, especially as the rain came down in that game. I didn't love that for Mark Whipple. But I do want to talk a little bit about kind of how this offense is emerging kind of what it's doing, and why it shouldn't be a concern long-term. Now, I said it wouldn't be a concern long-term on Friday. I didn't really expand on that, why I thought it wouldn't be. And I'll give you a few reasons, I, I want because I do want to talk about this pit offense and kind of break down why. Okay, so they're missing Taysier Mack, and I think they definitely miss Taysier Mack because he's a guy that gives them another field stretcher, gives them another guy that, you know, the defenses have to respect, especially over the top, so they can't just key in on Jordan Addison. They have to respect him and, and when you look at what Taysier Mack brought it was that magnetism to a degree over the top of the field now here's the difference I think you're starting to see Lucas Kroll run a lot of Taysier Mack's route tree which is an interesting idea but not a bad one you know if Kroll can play like he did on Thursday he can really be a significant weapon for this team now there have been instances obviously of this guy just going through horrific drops and, and periods where he is off and you don't even want to get the football to him. It just isn't good, right? But more importantly, when Crow is able to do what he does at a high level, Crow is a very, very good tight end. And I think that gets lost in the sight. You know, people call this guy, I've seen him called Nikita Griffin Stewart 2.0. I think that's exactly wrong. You know, Crow is a guy that still offers mismatch potential. 
Now, do I necessarily think he's the best tight end on the team? No. I think he's absolutely though, a dynamic receiving threat that teams have to pay attention to because of what he can do on Thursday. Listen, he's got an expansive route tree. He can line up at the Y, he can line up at the F, he can line up at X like he did on the touchdown throw in the overtime. He can line up at Z. He's a guy that's flexible and can line up wherever Mark Whipple wants him. And this is unique because he's a obviously he's not a great blocker. He tries to block, but when you are talking about replacing Mac, you're replacing him with a six foot six cyborg tight end that has athletic ability to stretch the defense. And that's something that a lot of teams don't have. And if he can just be more consistent, and and you saw it on the two the kind of they Pitt loves to run that play action where Kenny Pickett kind of rolls off and it's a shotgun and Jordan Edison was the deep post and they have a over route underneath and obviously Taysier Mack was the guy that you know kept himself on that over route and often connected with Kenny Pickett on it but now that's become Lucas Crow and he that's the one he dropped obviously uh, the only drop he registered on Thursday was that play and Kroll has been I think instrumental in helping the offense at least move and get back right. Um, I think Gavin Bartholomew is another guy that's been exactly in the right wheelhouse of get right land. You know, Bartholomew, what a stud for a freshman to play like this. Um, he's a guy that really does look special. And I talk about NFL special and how you can tell that from just a guy being a freshman. And there's certain things about guys that are freshmen and, and, and you just see it. And with Bartholomew, it's the all-around nature to how much wisdom he has of the game. He's a very smart, cerebral player already. He has the process to already go through everything. Lucas Kroll said that that guy is essentially a leech off him. He learns everything. He stays late and watches film. He's a guy that takes care of himself. Everything you look by Gavin Bartholomew is what you want to do. He's a guy that has great hands. He's powerful. He might not be the fastest guy, but he's a plus athlete. He's quick, very graceful, gazelle-like almost. Um, solid routes, but I don't think he's a completely polished receiver yet. I, and this is where you separate Bartholomew from Kroll. Now, they're not just using Bartholomew as a fullback plus H-back anymore. And that was something to kind of note. You know, as the season wore on, Bartholomew was being asked to do more and more. You know, not just inline, fullback, whatever. He's now being asked to move out to the F, to move out to the Y, play inside, play outside. He's being asked to run a much more comprehensive route tree. And some of it he's actually stepped up to, some of it he's struggled a little bit with. And that's where Lucas Kroll comes in and can really help a young guy like Gavin Bartholomew because he can do all that. And Bartholomew is learning and, and growing and playing at such a high level right now. It's unbelievable. Those two tight ends, I think, are huge in being instrumental in, in helping this offense and why it's not going to regress. And then, obviously, you have talent. You know, Jaden Bradley's still just learning what to do. A freshman, a very talented one. Jordan Addison and Jared Wayne playing at a high level. The biggest reason is, obviously, Kenny Pickett. You know, Kenny Pickett is getting every national hype train on him and for good reason. He's so good at what he does. But more importantly, why I don't think this is a big trend and why I think it was bigger the weather man I mean legitimately not just the weather though you know I do feel like it was just kind of the perfect store for everything you know from the pressure 
from the injuries. You know, Kenny Pickett getting a little happy-footed as a result and not completely trusting the O-line. The receivers dropping balls. You know, Kenny making a bad decision here or there. Whipple not completely relying on the running game um, a little bit more and putting everything on Pickett's shoulders. There was so much going on where you look at it and you kind of wide scope and you're like, we did everything wrong just about after the second quarter. And then in OT, it was much more get right type of thing. You know, playing at the high level that we thought we were. It, it, they, they just tried to do too much and everything kind of collapsed in on itself once Pickett started to collapse in on himself a little bit. And that was the big thing. But it's not going to happen very much. Because not many teams have the personnel to do what UNC did with the with their blitzes. And, and more importantly, not many teams can rattle Kenny Pickett like that. And Kenny Pickett with the week under his belt with Zubovich and potentially Gonzalez or Hoy or whoever plays there is going to be a lot more confident in them, and, and they, these receivers are going to develop a lot more rapport with him. And again, Kenny Pickett is not going to play as downtrodden as he did a little bit in that second half. So this is no long. This is not a long-term concern at all. I think that pit is going to be right there, right at the height of their peak coming up here against Virginia and Syracuse. And I think this offense is going to play at a high level. There are certainly some concerns to go along with it, with the injuries stacking up. But again, those tight ends I think are going to be really instrumental in helping them overcome some of those injuries. All right, folks, let's talk about it. Eric Hallett, I got to give you a mulligan, man. We'll talk about that and a little bit more here in the last segment of the show. But first, I want to let you know about the best tasting protein bar ever, Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar by now, I'm telling you, you are missing out. If you need protein bars because you love protein, you're working on everything, I'm telling you, Built Bar is the one for you. It's not chalky, waxy, you don't have to choke it down. No, it's soft, it's gooey, it's good. Trust me. Built Bar, there are so many good flavors. Coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry bar. See, everything about Built Bar is tasty and built will be coming out with new limited time flavors every three to four days this month so make sure to check your website often they don't want you to miss out and guess what built is also very very healthy low carb low calorie low fat low sugar and high in protein so it's got all those healthy benefits on top of being delicious so go to built.com use our promo code locked 15 again that's our promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off on your order use our promo code locked 15 for 15 percent off at built.com What is going on, folks? Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast. It's time I formally apologize to Eric Hallett. I'm telling you, man. I've given that guy a lot of grief on this show before. And Eric Hallett, you know, I have a complicated view on Eric Hallett. I want to apologize first on the mulligan for just saying that, you know, he definitely... He definitely has his highs. It's not like he's unplayable. I said he was unplayable after the Miami game. You know, when he's at that level, he is. But there are highs with Eric Callett that I think when you see him play like he did against Miami or see how he played against Western Michigan, you have to put into perspective and say, okay, that's not this guy all the time. And after seeing him for a full season and kind of what he does, and listen, 
more importantly, as soon as he starts to just play with physicality and want, you see a different side of Eric Khaled. And I thought on Thursday he had so much physicality, so much fire, such a pep in his step, that he really made a few key tackles. The shoestring tackle on downs, the first screen or now route he came up on and just blew it up, that tells me a few things about Eric Khaled, a few really good things. One, he's really in the film room studying, and he's trying to get better on his weaknesses. I haven't seen him beat by an RPO much after the Western Michigan game. That's a good thing. I also, since the Miami game, since the Miami game, they haven't gotten him on the now route, which is a good thing. He's been focusing in on those areas. He's been a much better tackler over the last two weeks. That's big. You know, since that Miami game, he's really stayed at a consistently high level. And between that Western Michigan and that Miami game, he played well. You know, Eric Hallett is really playing better than he does each and every week. And he clearly learns from his mistakes. And really, I will say, all that I can, you know, take out of Hallett's performances are Kind of, he is a hard worker. He is a guy that learns. And that's really encouraging to see on the back end because that's such a hard position to play. And, you know, DeMar Hamlin mastered it and he was the key cog of the defense. And you hope that Eric Hallett can be the similar type of guy, right? The guy that can be the stalwart, the guy that can come in and play at a high level. Hallett really played well. And I do want to give him an apology and a mulligan on my end, my bad. You know, I think that Eric Hallett has his highs and he's learning each week and he's getting better. Maybe there's still stuff out there that Hallett has to work on and, you know, the things that Hallett has to truly master are still plentiful. And But with so much on your plate in the Narduzzi scheme, at that free safety spot, I think getting him in a little rotation with P.J. O'Brien has really helped. You know, give him a little rest, keep him at 100%, keep him at 100% energy, let him play physical, has really allowed Hallett to really come into his own. And I think he's starting to see things slow down for him a little bit. And overall, just play at a much higher level than he was previously. And that's very important. I think that, you know, looking at Hallett has been something that we've kind of done all all season. Does he cap this team's ceiling? Does he hurt this team too much? And I think, you know, at times he can, but man, when it's a learning process and he's showing that maturation, it's huge. And I didn't get to shout out Eric Hallett really on Friday. Now, he shouted out the linebackers because the linebackers played out of their minds on Saturday. Or sorry, Thursday rather, Thursday. I don't know. We have a, mostly Saturday games, but no, that was a Thursday game, obviously. You know, when we were talking about the linebackers, they played unbelievable Thursday night. And we shouted them out Friday um, because Bright had a great game. Patricia played well. Dennis was everywhere. That was his banner game at Mike. Pine had a really key tackle on Sam Howe inside the 10 and played at a high level, I thought. Phil Campbell did what he does. Brandon George had a few really key stops. Those were nice. But I really wanted to, to shout out Eric Hallett and kind of his work over the season and the maturation process. You know, I thought Josh Downs would have a bigger role. And Hallett did give up one big play to Downs on a really long double move. And, you know, maybe that's one of Hallett's weaknesses. Maybe he doesn't have the greatest long speed. I don't think he does. 
but he has good instincts, and he shut down Josh Downs for the most part. It was a really impressive performance by Eric, by, uh, Eric Hallett, and I think that he deserves praise for that, and I really did think that he was a key reason why they only allowed 23. You know, Outside of the great play by the defense overall, just in the front seven, I think Hallett was instrumental in shutting down Sam Howe and the Josh Downs connection with him. That was the most impressive thing, I think, from Hallett on Thursday. He's just learning and learning and learning. All right, folks, tomorrow we will dive into Virginia starting. We're going to talk about, you know, differences between Jay Wolfolk and Brennan Armstrong. I also, though, want to talk how feasible is the Kenny Heisman train going forward? Is it legit? Does Pickett still have a Heisman, Kennedy, and more? Before we get out of here, guys, I want to let you guys know about Locked On Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, free and available on all platforms. Make sure to check it out. All right, folks, let's get out of here. Good episode coming tomorrow. And as always, hail to pit.